Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. He's oh, to the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws it the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Armoravi, and joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. How is life treating you? We didn't we didn't do a we didn't do a podcast last week. It was it was the Kansas week. We were like, oh, it's Kansas. <laughs> no need, no need to worry. And we were all so busy. And then the game actually happened. But how how's life? How how are you doing, man? It's good. It's busy. I mean, you've had a day. I'm getting ready to leave uh, for Austin again for a wedding, a fall wedding. I'm probably not going to be able to watch too much of the Texas Tech game, so that'll be fun. But you, we all make sacrifices, I guess. So, yeah, me, I was, I was traveling uh, with the, our friend of the pod and good friend in general, Brady Trantham, and we were in Los Angeles. We went to go to a concert and we found out within an hour of landing that the concert was indeed canceled and we watched the second half of the OU game in an Uber on the way to LAX so that was <laughs> an experience but uh yeah let's let's dive right into it what the heck is up with OU uh do you do you do you have any diagnosis or diagnoses that you would say are problems right now. And I imagine there's a laundry list of problems. So oh, yeah. what are, what are, what are things that you view as not necessarily minute, but things that are major, major problems that maybe can be fixed. And what are problems that you think can't be fixed? Let's start there. I mean, where do you start? I think a lot of things have been said this week. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to add anything too original, obviously. Um, you look at just the culture of this Oklahoma team and, and what they've kind of, uh, or what they haven't done following an almost loss to Kansas. I mean, that's unheard of for a program of Oklahoma's caliber. And, and you have these teams kind of just shrugging off, um, you know, yeah, it was a close game, but a win's a win and we'll just move on from there. I think, um, you look at great Oklahoma teams of the past and you look at the accountability from their team leaders and, you look at this leadership on this team. I mean, your starting quarterback at the beginning of the season is now bench. Um, you know, your defensive leaders, Pat Fields, not playing too well. So I think leadership is a dire issue at this point. And I think um, that kind of reflects onto the culture of the entire team. Are there other issues that you think? Are, are those issues that you think right now, are, are those things that are solvable or are, are those just things that are just completely out of the out? They're just out of bounds. You can't do anything about right. it. It's just something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of the season and you move yeah. on to the next year. Yeah. Yes. And no, I mean, you're not going to change the culture overnight. That's just not, not reasonable. Um, there's some things you can fix here and there. Um, personnel is another issue. You're not going to overhaul your personnel at this point in the season. You got what you got. Um, but you kind of look at pieces like key Lawrence starting to play better. Um, how do you fit him into the secondary? I know there's a lot of talk of him probably going to try himself out at a corner this week, but I think you and I agree that he'd be, he'd best best fit in that secondary as a safety. Um, 
alongside with Delarian Turner Yell. So that's that's something you could fix. I don't know how willing the coaching staff is to do something like that, but um, that's one place you could kind of start. I just I have no it's like I have no words. I I I was completely silent during the entire first half of that Oklahoma game because I had no words. I, I the the defense they've been like everybody has said, "Oh, well Oklahoma's pass defense is garbage." Of course, like they're missing everybody except Pat Fields. And like, but the run defense is good until Kansas ran the ball right at you and got like at least five and a half yards per play and just gashed you and gashed you and gashed you. And is that a situation where OU is a playing to the level or to the level of their opponents every single week? B, like you said, there's a lack of leadership on the team. C, they felt like they could just waltz in there and just take care of Kansas with their B squad. Uh, are there are a variety of fact? Are there a variety of factors that play into what exactly went down on let's last Saturday? And it was, it was like a it was a muggy, rainy Saturday or overcast Saturday, and the stadium keeps on getting more filled as the game goes on because it looks like Kansas is going to upset OU, especially when there's about a minute twenty left on the clock in the third quarter and Kansas is up two scores. It looked very bleak. Yeah. And so like, is this like a situation of leadership? Is this a coaching? Is this a, and I'm not talking player leadership. I'm talking coaching leadership. Is this, is this on Riley Grinch and this, this, they, they always talk about culture, but there seems to be like maybe a, a lack of intensity or something. I, I have no idea what is going on. And, and it also seems like, Part of me seems like like the team just they expected the walk they expect to walk in there and win like most people do against Kansas, right? But at the same time, Kansas just beat the hell out of them. The Kansas own time of possession. I think Oklahoma got what like sixty total yards in the first half against Kansas. And you have to go back and had, look, but I think the, had, the time of possession was like twenty one minutes to like seven or something like that. Yeah, they they own time of possession. And OU had eight total possessions in the game. They had three possessions in the first half. It's just incredible that a team like Kansas is able to do that. And after Texas Tech, I mean, there's no looking past Texas Tech. But after Texas Tech, you have teams with actual good defenses. Like, I don't know, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. And two of those teams have relatively okay offenses that will be able to do the same exact things to OU, but at a way better pace and at a way better level than any other team in the Big 12 has done as far as keeping the ball away from the OU offense. And there's, there's, there's a lot to unwrap there. There's a lot to get into. The defense, uh, they don't know. It looks like they don't know what they're doing half the time with their alignments. Like, OU goes up two scores after that Caleb Kelly run, a Caleb Kelly, Caleb Williams run. And next thing you know, like, it looks like OU's in prevent defense or there's constantly busting. Who knows? Like, they march down the field and it's like there's no defender within, they're like in the camera angle, no defender within 10 yards of any of these Kansas receivers. And I'm wondering why that is the case. Why are we playing that? Why why are they playing that far off? And like it's just, it's it's embarrassing, especially on, on the national scale. And it, what's what's wild is that Oklahoma made, especially Caleb Williams, made a couple of very clutch plays to win that game. And they shouldn't have been they shouldn't have been even been put in that situation to make those plays. Spencer Rattler should have been playing in the second half or Ralph Ruckel, whatever his name is, should have been playing in the <laughs> second half. And, and instead you got Caleb Williams during the entire time because Oklahoma couldn't get their crap together to the second half. And that's just offensively defensively. Kansas was still able to do some things, but defensively they shored up a, a few things, but God, it was just an ugly thing. And I have, I had no words. I mean, 
Alex Grinch is going to say a lot of things. And Alex Grinch, between between Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch is obviously the more honest one between the two, right? That is very apparent. That, he's not afraid to hurt uh, hurt feelings there. No, but yeah, he, he's like he 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 often talks about it. I mean, he says, "Yeah, they've got to do a better job of as coaches," but those players have actually got to go out and actually make those plays. And he's got he, talking about setting the tone and all these other things. And when I talked to Brady about it, he said it's like almost it almost it's almost feel, it almost feels like OU has to win the coin toss and elect to receive and go on offense first to actually score to force the other team to play catch up instead of OU right. getting behind the chains and getting behind the score and to actively like be a part of this monkey in the middle play a game where you consistently are trying to have to keep up with your opponent with limited possessions. That way you're forcing your opponent to actively go downfield and take chances instead of, I don't know, other things. So it's just, it's unreal. But Caleb Williams, he's great. He's a he's a freshman. He's a true freshman. Hasn't played organized football since his junior year of, of school. He moved to Norman, where I'm sure he got fantastic training. And uh he's 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 young. It's obvious. He threw that jump ball to it wasn't even a jump ball. He just threw the, he just it's threw that bad. ball, a bad pass to Jaden Hazelwood, maybe didn't get enough arm on it and left it short, and it was an easy interception where he had Kennedy Brooks wide open in the flat at the line of scrimmage where Kennedy Brooks at least gets seven, eight yards. If he makes that one guy miss, which he usually does do pretty well after yards after contact, he gets up 20 to 30 yards upfield, but he got greedy. And so that that's, and that's, that's the rookie in him, right? That's the freshman in him. He wants to take those chances. He sees they're down. They want chunk plays. They want decisive plays that will turn the tide, turn the momentum, and they just couldn't do it. And no, Spencer Rattler cannot do a lot of the things we saw on the field that Caleb Williams did. I mean, did, just, like not even not even the four, four, fourth and third down play where <laughs> Caleb Williams splits two defenders and houses it. Not just that, but the presence of mind because people often talk about presence of mind in basketball players and making really, really smart plays down the stretches of games. No quarterback, especially Spencer Rattler sees Kennedy Brooks getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage and immediately thinks and runs to need, strip the ball. We need to get that ball past first down. We need to get the, we need to get the first down and literally runs over to Kennedy Brooks, rips the ball from his arms and takes it past the first down marker. Nobody is thinking about that. You that happens as if Spencer Rattler is a quarterback, he literally just hands the ball off and that's it. He sits yeah, he and watches it. in the backfield. That day he watches the play play. He watches it play out and then just shakes his head and goes back to the sideline. If that happens, that's exactly what would have happened. If Spencer Rattler is your starting quarterback, but Caleb Williams stays within the play stays engaged obviously knows the down to down like the the yards to gain situation is in is effectively involved in the play and he there are things that of course Caleb Williams arm talent is not as special as Spencer Rattlers now does he have a good arm yes will it get better yes uh is he a talented athlete and a guy that just has it also yes and is he a team leader that people respect, especially after this last week? I think a yes as well. Um, what what is, what is your take on Caleb Williams after seeing the first half against Kansas and then the second half? Well, you already pointed out he, he's young. Um, he's missed some plays, and that's kind of expected when you throw in a true freshman quarterback in that position. Uh, but at the same time, he's doing things that I don't even think, I mean, Baker would maybe do, but I don't think Kyler would ever have the presence of mind to do something like that. I mean, that's a guy that just, it's like backyard football, essentially. He just understands the game. He understands the moment. Um, does he make mistakes along the way? Yes. And I think in a, in a, in a weird way, me and uh, Keegan Renault talked about this a little bit, that interception is probably going to do a little bit more good for him than, uh, than bad. I know it was bad timing, but um, it kind of reminds him that, you know, 
he's not the perfect guy, even though, you know, whatever ESPN or whatever Fox wants to say about him, he still has a long ways to go to be the player he can be. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he's just a guy that understands football. I mean, Spencer right. Rattler's a exceptional talent, but he, I don't think he really understands the game as well as Caleb Williams, or, and he probably will never do that. I don't think I don't think Spencer Rattler understands football from a team perspective as well as Caleb Williams does. Does that no, make sense? No, no doubt, no doubt. I think that Spencer Rattler knows his role very well. I feel like Caleb Williams knows his role well, but also knows the roles of others very well as well. I think I think he knows the the role of the team and the vision of the team go, going forward uh, more than Spencer Rattler would. And that's something that in what you mentioned is something that Brady pointed out as well is like maybe, you know, the Kansas game, hopefully maybe Caleb Williams will make a mistake that he can learn from that. He can learn from and move on to the, the Texas tech in the last three games of the year. That way he can get those mistakes out and learn from them. And unfortunately those things just got worse and OU was just, they didn't get the ball. I mean, they, they simply just did not get their hands on the ball in the first half. And it is just just weird. You didn't have a punt for o, from OU for a long time. Did they? Did they even punt? I think they punted once. Um, I don't think. I mean, I think they had one. I think they had a Michael Turk punt. But it's it's just it's just unreal. And Lincoln Riley says OU is close. I swear he keeps on saying this. Yeah, they're close to nine and three, but they're <laughs> they're, they're they're not they're not close to. Like, what are they? What is he? What are they close to? They've shown nothing about anything about being close to being a dominant football team of which what they've wanted to do this entire year. The entire offseason, they've talked about winning football, playing complimentary football, playing football in a championship manner. That's all they've done since December. And you come over here and then you say, oh, we're close. Well, what are you close to? Because clearly it's not near. It's <laughs> not, not close even, in coverage. It's not even close to not close to coverage. It's not close to Alabama. It's not close to Georgia. It's not close to it, It's not, it's not even close to other teams that I like. It's, I don't even know if they would be Iowa. I don't even know if they would be Pitt, Pittsburgh right now at a neutral site. No. Just because they've just been so inconsistent and teams have been playing keep away from OU and their defense has been so horrendous and not getting to the quarterback. And then, and then of course teams are making up for that and game planning around that by playing West coast and just getting the ball quick. So the defensive rush doesn't even matter. And then you got dudes missing tackles on the edges on the outside and like things that were not reminiscent of an Alex Grinch defense the last two years. You got to think about it. Two years ago, you had Kenneth Murray in the middle and he's a guy that directed traffic. And although he wasn't that 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 special over the middle in deflecting passes in in pass in in pass coverages, he was still a dude that would actively get people lined up where they needed to be and let the defense know the expectations of what they were doing on that play. He would affect the game where teams would game plan and scheme around Kenneth Murray. You go to the next year, Ronnie Perkins, the same exact thing. You start to see teams scheming around Ronnie Perkins, that and that opens up doors for Jalen Redmond and Perry and Winfrey to come through to actively create havoc on defense. And then this year, you're left with Perry and Winfrey. Like, people want to say he's being tackled. Yeah, holding happens occasionally, but sometimes he's just being straight-up single-blocked, and he's not getting any penetration right. in the backfield. Nick Benito, for some reason, is not always on the field, despite him probably being the best player on that defense right now. And the linebacker play, Kansas just Kansas just exploited the line the the, the issues at linebacker and how inept they can be at times in reading coverages or reading offenses. It's just it's just incredible to me how bad it has been. So when Lincoln Riley says they're close. I want to know what he's saying about what they're close to because it's clearly not championship football. It's clearly not winning the Big 12 title. Right now, 
I don't trust Oklahoma to win all three of the games after the Texas Tech game. And even right now, I feel kind of like uncomfortable with the Texas Tech game because Oklahoma has shown nothing of any of any dominance of any actual like putting away teams at all this year. Every game has been close. Even the TCU game where they beat them, of course, by like, wait, what, 21 points? It was like 55 to 30 something. But even then for a while, that game was close. And a, TCU has a couple bounces go their way. That game's way closer. And so this team has shown the ability, yeah, to win close games. Fantastic. Wonderful. I'm glad you're winning games. But the team has shown no aspect of being elite. The team has been maybe above average at best, and they're the worst undefeated team in college football right now. Would you agree with that? No, you nailed it on that one. I think this team um, kind of lucked their way into this this position. Um, in some ways, they've earned it, but in a lot of ways, they've lucked in this position. And now you're heading into a part of the schedule where you're probably not going to get those bounces go your way. So. Um, you know, you look at this this gauntlet of Baylor, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. They could easily lose. I mean, two out of the three, maybe yep. all three. And two of them, I don't think two of them are not Norman, right? And I don't think this week is going to really answer any questions as far as what that three game slate is going to look like. But um, at the moment, I mean, this team should appreciate being undefeated because it's going to be very sobering when they go on the road. And I know OU's been missing. I know OU missed DJ Graham. I know OU's been missing Woody Washington. I know OU has been. They they haven't been, been playing Jalen Redmond. The there's been no Marcus Stripling. There's they've been without a lot of players. I get that. At the same time, like that's an excuse for a team like Texas, right? A team that has a decent amount of talent every year, no matter how good or bad they are, they still have talent. And, but for Oklahoma against Kansas, that shouldn't matter. OU should be able to walk in with a starting quarterback and just demolish Kansas in the trenches, which they got like almost no push. They were full on defense. There were safeties everywhere. The, The secondary was everywhere. You had Billy Bowman out there. You got Latrell McCutcheon out there. You got Justin Burles out there. You got... You've got Josh Eaton out there. Nobody's making plays. Key Lawrence makes a play. Now suddenly he's working opposite cornerback uh, of DJ Graham this week in practice, which is unbelievable to me. And something that I thought was interesting is this. We talked about it pre-pod. The camera was on Spencer Rattler way more <laughs> in this Kansas game than we thought. Like we thought this, we we talked about it before the TCU game over and under eight and a half. How many times does the camera pan over to Spencer Rattler? I think it was under eight and a half, but during the Kansas game, oh my gosh, it was every other play that the camera oh, yeah. was on Spencer Rattler. And so my question to you is this. A, do you think Spencer Rattler enjoyed seeing OU struggle in the first half? Or do you think he's a team person, or do you think he's a team guy because he's a captain? And B, where do you think he ends up in the transfer portal? Um, that first one's a little interesting. I don't think he would just blatantly want this team to lose. I think um, for better or worse, he has a lot of friends on this team, and I don't think he'd kind of wish them to like lose in that position. But at the same time, there's no doubt in my mind that Spencer Rattler wishes, you know, if they struggle a little bit, maybe he, he gets another chance. I don't think that's that's out of the out of the question i think in a lot of ways if you don't don't hope for that then you're not really a competitor um but i don't think you would just blatantly want them to lose right transfer portal wise um it's hard to see him not go to lane kiffin i mean lane kiffin loves loves arm talent he's got a good offense and i would i would assume old miss there he he can he can Assuming he meet, stays in in uh, at Ole Miss, yeah, he can meet up with uh, Lane Kiffin at LSU. Yeah, that's another position. Or, or uh, if you if you check the LSU message boards, uh, they've given Lincoln Riley an offer he can't refuse. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I don't think they... Uh, I mean, LSU's got a lot of money, but I don't think they have that much money. Yeah, I agree. Not for that buyout. But yeah, the cameras on Rattler are a ton. I thought that was so odd. Of course, like... it. it none of what was... None of what happened on Saturday, uh, with the exception of that turnover, that just... That jump ball that we've seen Spencer Rattler throw how many times this year into the Texas game? And that was like, be that was one on one coverage. There was one, there was one defender there. Spencer Rattler would throw it with three guys there. That that's the difference here. That's, that's important to acknowledge. And I just, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. And so in your opinion, how much, how much better like how, does this defense get? How, how much, higher does the floor raise once Oklahoma gets guys like Jalen Redmond back and maybe a Woody Washington back? Does it raise substantially or is it just, just a little bit? I think it's substantial if you get Woody Washington back, because if you look at just kind of where teams have targeted, um, you know, receptions, it's, it's definitely opposite of DJ Graham. So um, that's been something we've kind of seen over the past couple of weeks, whether it be Jane Davis, um, Latrell McCutcheon, whoever they put in there, Josh Eaton. Um, that's where they love to throw because they know they can't throw against DJ Graham and they know they have a pretty soft coverage on the other side. Um, at the same time, I don't think it raises the bar too much because you also look at the crossing routes that Oklahoma just doesn't cover at all. Um, I think they're, they're allowing like 80% passes over the middle. So uh, yeah. I don't think you can really fix that with anybody um, on the roster currently. So I think uh, getting Woody Washington back is definitely ups your game a little bit, but they do have some question marks. That I don't think they can really answer right now. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. Well, we got a game this weekend on Saturday, 2.30 kickoff. It's on ABC. It's a national TV. Oklahoma is favored by 19 and a half. I would not bet OU to cover. Uh, that's just me. Matt Wells fired this week, despite having a five and three <laughs> re- record. Uh, do you think do you think Texas not Oklahoma? Do you think Texas Tech walks into this game with the same offensive philosophy they had the entire year, or do you think they change it up a little bit with Sonny Cumbie at the helm? Because Cumbie, as we remember, is an air raid guy from Tech himself, and I remember him at Tech when he was at Tech when he was a player. So, do you think they change it up? Um, I think they kind of stick with with what they got. I don't think they have too much time to kind of. Switch that offense over too much. Um, obviously, I don't think they're going to be able to do what, uh, like what Kansas and, and Kansas State and West Virginia, those teams do where they can kind of milk the clock. And I don't think they're that type of offense. I think they're going to just kind of go for it. Um, they want to score and score score early. So I don't think they're the type of team that's going to go for that time of possession. I feel like, man. Yeah, because their defense isn't very good. No, I mean it's it it is a horrifying defense. But I mean, I mean Kansas was almost dead last in defense, and you saw what they did to OU. At least in the first half, 
But also, OU had a lot of really awful, like, oh, you had eight penalties in the first half against Kansas. Just undisciplined football. <laughs> they Those like, bowls be bounties. They, they literally just walked in and acted like they had already won the game, it felt like. Like, I have never seen that many offsides penalties in a half in my life, I feel like. Like, like, why are you jumping off? You're literally, you're literally, you're literally there as a defensive lineman hovering over the football. How are you jumping off sides? <laughs> I mean, that's just not, not living in the moment. That's just kind of going through the motions. But I do think some of those penalties, um, especially like the blindside block penalty. Yeah, that was that was just fucking bullshit. That was weak. That that was I mean, the guy's looking right. It wasn't at him. even. He was looking right. <laughs> he was looking right at him, and it wasn't even a malicious hit. It was a, just a block. It was a regular yeah, he didn't really ass block. Didn't lead with the crown of the helmet. I mean, they, they were just out to throw the flag, I guess. And what bothered me most about the offsides penalties was this: it happens occasionally. Like you, you yeah, you anticipate the snap count. People do that all the time, but. After the first time, and maybe even the second time, maybe just look at the damn football and see when it snapped, then shoot your gap instead of just anticipating it. Because I think Jordan Kelly jumped to the neutral zone a few times. Yeah, Brian Asamoa, he anticipated. <laughs> he, just, he just ran through the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, so many offsides penalties. Like, what are you doing? I can't I can't even imagine what is going through Grinch's mind at in those moments in, in his in those internal monologues, other than I'm going to crucify somebody at halftime. Like, I can't even imagine what goes through his mind. And honestly, like you said earlier, Pat Fields, I like, he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong. Pat Fields is a great guy. He's going to be a successful businessman. He's not going to be playing football on Sundays, uh, but he's going to be successful. What he does in life. He's, he's all about like, you know, making life better for other people. And I really appreciated that. But you typically want your captains to be your best players in the field. And you yep. know what? He's not it. It's not it. And getting DTY this, back this week is going to be a big deal for Oklahoma. At least uh, they'll have somebody that at least knows what they're doing in the secondary. Because for the last however many weeks, it's been what? Pat Fields in their second group? Pat Fields and uh, Justin Broyles. Gosh. Your, which your safety which, which is not what you want to have um okay preps yeah it's not a good look for okay preps but um at the same time i mean you kind of spoke to it as well as that you look at captains of the past you look at like baker mayfield or kenneth murray those are guys could talk and they also showed up uh on saturday so um they kind of garnered that respect i don't really think the captains of this year's group have really won over their team in that respect I mean, who do you who do you have? Isaiah Thomas, who misses a ton of tackles in the backfield. Mm-hmm. He's there, but never actually makes the play that often. You've got Jeremiah Hall, who's like a really nice guy, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm not I'm not in the locker room. You're not in the locker room. We don't we don't know how like how the team views him. Um, but he's not a guy that says, All right, guys, let's go on a leading, let's let's go and score on this touchdown drive, right? Let's he he doesn't seem like that guy. That's a, that's a guy that you need your quarterback to be. That's why quarterback is so integral to the team because you're not only leading the offense, you have the ball in your hands the majority of the times. You're the one adjusting the play at the line of scrimmage and like you're the one that's being trusted to make those calls. And so, I mean, like Jeremiah Hall is there and Caleb Caleb Kelly, God bless him, the guys the guys there like his seventh year. <laughs> and he's a really, really, really nice guy, but I have no idea why he is on the field more often than Nick Benito feels like sometimes. And it, it's just unnerving. I, I I don't get it. And I know DTY is going to be back, and that'll help out a lot more. And he got rest for the Kansas game. A lot of guys suited out for the Kansas game, but didn't actually even play. Redmond yep. suited out. DTY suited out. Um uh, I, I know Theo Weiss has been actively and been been practicing, I, I guess, but they're just being very cautious, like with a lot of people's injuries, like Woody Washington, Theo Weiss, and all these dudes. And I, I surmised, and we, we talked about this previously, that if Oklahoma could get past Kansas and Texas Tech unscathed and without 
a lot of teammates like Delarian Turniel, like Woody Washington, like the Jalen Redmond, uh, that they could just go into that bye week with an extra bye, essentially healthy. And that seemingly didn't look like the case for the Kansas game, especially going to the going into Norman for Texas Tech this weekend. Mario Williams and Mike Woods also weren't there. So your receivers for the Kansas game were Marvin Mims, Drake Stoops, Braden Willis, Trayvon West, Jaden Hazelwood. You had Farouk out there. As Farouk, well. yeah, that was weird. I was like, oh, there's I was like, there's a, a 14 on the field. That's not Rambo. But <laughs> they're questionable for this week. How are they like? I did not see anything go down with Mike Woods for the Texas game. I didn't see anything yeah. or the or the TCU game, excuse me. I, I didn't see he played the entire game. Same for Mario Williams. Why are they questionable for this week? I to be completely honest, I don't know what's going on with Mike Woods. I know Mario Williams is still kind of battling a hamstring uh injury, so um those kind of are off and on uh, the timetable for those are kind of up in the air. So um, I could see why they hold Mario Williams out a little bit longer, especially going into uh, a bye week but Mike Woods, I'm that's just a big question mark for me. Is Mike Woods the best receiver on this team? Absolutely. In that wild. He also has the best YouTube channel on this team. I would agree with that statement. He does have a good YouTube channel. He does. I just remember. And also, isn't it interesting how Jaden Hazelwood would catch no balls under <laughs> Spencer Rattler and now is catching all of the balls under Caleb Williams? Well, it's one of those things where I think Spencer Rattler was trying to force feed um, Hazelwood the ball in the wrong situations, whereas Caleb Williams just kind of finds the open guy. And that's that's the biggest difference between the two. Yeah, the the ball might not look as pretty because I mean, like looking at Spencer Rattler highlights, he's definitely got arm talent. Like we're not we're not dismissing that he's a talented quarterback, but I don't think he's a talented team player. I think that no, I think Baker Mayfield was a very talented team player. I think Kyler Murray was very, 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 very unique and is probably the best quarterback that's ever played at OU and understood his role as the quarterback, but also just made immaculate plays. And the team just gravitated towards him because, I mean, he broke every state record in Texas football history in high school and won the Heisman. And, of course, and now he now he's at where, he's, where he is at Arizona today. And you don't see that in Spencer. And Caleb Williams, he's got the it factor. He's got the it factor. What what is like? What is the difference in your opinion between having Caleb Williams on the field and Spencer Rattler? Because to me, and this is just like, I'm not talking X's and O's. I'm not talking. I'm not talking the players that are on the field. I'm talking just feel. For Doesn't feel, it feel different? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is when you look at the, between the two. Um, when you look at Spencer Rattler's offense, it kind of felt like everyone was doing their own thing. Like it didn't feel like a collective group. It didn't feel like a collective effort. Um, with Caleb Williams, you kind of see him, I don't know, like rally the troops. You kind of see him in the huddle. Um, you know, this is what we're going to do. You guys are here and this is how we're going to do it. He, he kind of, he finds a way to make this group work. And, and Spencer Rattler can never really do that. He kind of let his guys do his own thing. So, um, I just think he has a better voice. Uh, I think people kind of gravitate to his personality as well. So um, he finds ways of making it a team effort and not an individual effort. That's how I feel. I feel I feel more, I, I mean, I feel like there's more opportunity for big plays with Caleb Williams on the field because, of course, of his legs. I feel like there's also this, I don't know, maybe more aspects of respect towards the play caller. I feel I feel like there's more aspects of respect that it's evident that the team maybe likes playing for Caleb Williams more because he knows 
or the team knows that he has their back. And it's pretty evident that the team definitely has his back in comparison to maybe Spencer Rattler. I mean, I'm not, and of course it's not like, it's not like with Spencer, I would make a play and people are like, all right, cool. Let's move on to the next down. And like, they wouldn't celebrate. They would, but it just, it feels different. The feel on the, the feel when Spencer and Caleb were in the game, the feel is just totally different. Just understanding the dynamic of the relationship between the quarterback and his players. And I think that's important. Um, the, I, I talked about this pre in the podcast and prior to the pod. This Texas Tech game is making me feel weird. I, I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, OU's giving me no indication that they're going to put away teams and just bounce them like they should. What, what are your feelings on this Texas Tech game, especially coming off of firing where they could give some wrinkles, give some OU some trouble, and, I mean, I mean, a team could respond one of two ways. They could respond and come out with, with a lot of fire and passion, or they could come out and respond and come out really, really flat. So what's your opinion on this Texas Tech game this weekend? Well, as far as on the Texas Tech side, I think uh, Combe, I think, you know, he's a great offensive coordinator. I think no one's going to doubt that. But at the same time, I don't know if he's a great great head coach. I don't know how well he's going to kind of rally his team to get up and kind of give that kind of effort that they'll need to beat Oklahoma. Um, on the other side, I think Oklahoma, maybe they don't get the entire message, but um, obviously last week was a big wake up call as far as just being prepared. I don't mean Oklahoma just as far as being players, but I think the coaching staff as well. And you look at that, that day they took off on, I think it was like last Monday. Um, big wake up call for the entire program. And I think, um, heading into this game, the preparation, maybe the intensity is there a little bit earlier than we've seen in the past. So, um, I don't think I'm, I'm too worried about this game for Oklahoma. I don't think they've kind of seen everything they need to. And if they don't respond, then that's, that's a big, big red flag, but, um, I don't see them having the same issues this weekend. I would hope not. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to make it out to a tailgate. I will, I will be with, uh, Mr. Brady Trantham at the tailgate and we will rejoice or be <laughs> sad again because OU is not playing up to their standards because they've recruited elite talent, especially on yep. offense. And I just don't understand the defense. I could get it right. They still got guys that they're still getting guys from Grinch's scheme in makes sense. At the same time, you're almost your entire secondary is missing. You had Jalen Redmond out, and that's letting Perry and Winfrey get double teamed a little bit more, but he's still being, he's still being single blocked a lot as well. And there are other blatant holds that aren't just being called a Nick Benito and stuff like that. But that happens in every game where blatant holds aren't called. I mean, heck on the reverse that OU did right after Kansas went up 17 to seven Farouk blatantly holds a guy (laughs) that keeps Trayvon West from being stopped at the 20 or 25. And so like blatant holds are missed every week. Okay. So this is not new. This is just the big 12 and that's their officiating. So it just gives me a weird feeling. I don't know what to expect. And nobody honestly really knows to expect from this Sooner team. Like you said, but the, you said you were, you were very confident. OU putting up points on TCU and you were right. They, they scored, they dropped 50 something on them. 55, I think. And with this Texas tech game, I just, they like to run the ball, but at the same time, you know, they got a new coach, a new head coach that might throw in a couple more wrinkles. They might pass the ball because they know it's a weakness of OU's. They might try to punch OU in the mouth in the mouth like Kansas did. Like Kansas is straight ran up the middle. Yep. And they did a lot of read option and they tested those linebackers and those linebackers failed those tests. It, it was that it's that simple. Okay. And so that's why I keep on getting a very weird feeling for this Texas Tech game. Do I expect OU to lose? Should OU lose? No, they shouldn't. They're a far more talented team and have far more depth, regardless of the injuries that they have. But they've shown me no indication that they're going to be able to put away Texas Tech early. They've shown no indication that they should cover the spread 
against Texas Tech. So, therefore, that's why I feel this way. So, kind of wrapping up the podcast, what do you expect to happen this Saturday? And what is a score prediction that you think is rational? I think offensively, Oklahoma's kind of, as long as they can score early, I think you alluded to it as well. Um, they don't really have too many issues kind of staying in a game. It's when they have to play from behind and teams can kind of milk that clock a little bit. Uh, that's where they run into trouble. So um, I think Oklahoma will, will find ways to score early and often. Um, I think you look at Kennedy Brooks and maybe Eric Gray gets really involved this week as far as just being two guys they can kind of lean on um, and get them into scoring position and just kind of go from there. So uh, I think offensively they find their stride. Defensively, I don't think they're going to be, you know, great. Um, Texas Tech has a really, really good wide receiver, Eric. Uh, I think it's Uzakama, who has pretty high on his recruit. Um, I think he's probably going to challenge Oklahoma deep pretty early on and, and most likely throughout the game. Um, and that's going to be a big test for DJ Graham and what's probably going to be Keith Lawrence. And I think the safeties, we have kind of know what they are at this point. So. I think Oklahoma will probably win. I'll go Oklahoma like 42, but I think Texas Tech will put up some points. So I'll give them like 24, 27, something like that. Say the score again. Uh, 42, 27. Mm. That sounds that sounds like too accurate. Well, do you think the fan base would be happy with that score? Oh yeah, especially when you <laughs> you must lose the Kansas. I think you'll take any sort of convincing win at this point. I think it's fair. What I expect to happen is I expect OU OU's run game to still be maybe abysmal. I mean, like they couldn't run the ball against Kansas. They couldn't run the ball against Kansas. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of reads where Caleb Williams should have kept the ball and he right. would have gotten twenty yards upfield. But it, it just blows my mind that they're still having some struggles on the ground. And I'm not necessarily worried about the offense because Texas Tech's defense forever has not been that great, even though they're improving marginally year by year. I say marginally, but and I'm being like really nice about that. Like they're not that great still, but at the same time, Kansas is like the worst. So who knows what to expect on Saturday? Oh, you should be able to score. OU should be able to get some stops. OU, I think a big thing for them is getting out, like you suggested, like we mentioned earlier. Got to get out. They got to score first. They get out. They got to get out to an early lead to force the other team to play catch up. That way, the other team can't milk the clock because if the other team milks the clock and then ends up punting it, then you put yourself in a very bad situation. Uh, so, OU essentially ha- almost has to win the toss until they get something figured out on defense. Literally anything. And if it's as simple as Jalen Redmond coming back and putting Isaiah Thomas back on the outside where he belongs and doesn't get shoved in the back, shoved into the defensive backfield, then do it, please. Because uh, I just don't understand. Why, why would you... like? Do you have an answer for this? Why they put Isaiah Thomas inside when you have guys like Josh Ellison, Isaiah Coe, and Corey Roberson, and Jordan Kelly? Not really. I guess maybe maybe speed. You kind of hope that his speed kind of takes over his athleticism. But, I mean, that's a – you look at the trenches, that's a game of, you know, that's a game of power. So, I don't really see too much power in Isaiah Thomas's game. I think you, you lean more on, like, the Jordan Kelly – Corey Roberson's made a couple plays here and there. I think they're getting back uh, a couple guys along the defensive line, but um, Redmond is the guy you want there. I don't think anybody's has the ceiling that he does on this team. Yeah, so I just expect Oklahoma to try to play fundamentally, fundamentally sound offense, try not to make mistakes, take the checkdowns when they're there, because I think Caleb Williams, unlike other quarterbacks like Spencer Rattler, where you try to coach him up y- – Game after game after game, take the check down, take the check down, take the check down at the sticks. Won't take the check down. Instead, holds onto the ball for too long. And, of course, Caleb Williams still does that, too. He's a freshman, and so he's given a little bit more leeway 
than Spencer Rattler is because Spencer Rattler has been a Norman for what? Two and a half, two and a half or three years now. This is a retro sophomore yep. year. Um, this is Caleb Williams first year actually under Lincoln Riley the, in the quarterback room being at the university of Oklahoma. So you give him a little bit more leeway to make those mistakes. That makes more sense. So I, he's more coachable at this point in like at a point in the game when he should have slid and stayed in bounds he actually he ran out of bounds and like looks up. He's like, oh crap, I should have stayed in bounds. And so he looks at the sideline and he pats his chest and says, That's my bad. I should have stayed in bounds, should have kept the clock running. And and so he's I think I think he's a more coachable quarterback, too. I I think he it soaks up more information. I think that's I think that's a, a pride thing for Spencer. I I I of course these are just observations. These are these are not things that are concrete, these are not things that are true in fact these are just my perspectives but i think Oklahoma tries to play fundamentally sound offense as far as just take the check down take what the defense gives you but of course if you see a big play go for it if it's a one-on-one with marvin mims with Jaden hazelwood try to make that play happen but if there's a check down that's far far easier that's going to get you seven to eight yards maybe take that check down and then of course caleb williams use your legs dude they're obviously lethal. Use your legs. The defense, Godspeed. I have no idea what advice <laughs> to give them other than to just get healthy and get to a medical center. And like, it looks like their defensive, like the defensive room has to look like, a, it has to look like a hospital, right? Like you have to like dudes bandaged on their heads, dudes <laughs> bandaged on their legs and their arms, dudes on crutches. Like you've got so many guys out right now, it's unbelievable. But I don't know how much getting all those guys back would raise their ceiling. I know it would raise their ceiling and it would raise their floor, but I just don't know how much. Um, right now, I'm expecting OU to win like 34 to 27. Okay. I I I just have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know what to expect from this team. It could be a garbage touchdown by Texas Tech at the end. Who knows? It could be thirty. Uh, it could be twenty-seven, thirty-seven. I I have no idea what to expect from this team, and given their track record of this year, I think that's a pretty fair statement to make. Yeah, I agree. So, do you have anything else? Uh, join the Discord. I think I'm probably going to watch the the game on the Discord this week. That'll be a, a new something to do. So, yeah, I'll be at think? some resort somewhere in Austin, Texas, and we'll see if we can find a TV somewhere. In that uh, that wedding, so it's always important in in people. It's don't don't schedule your weddings in the fall right. on Saturdays. Well, don't do that. That's bad. That's that's not fun. Um, but oh, and also congratulations to editor in chief Jack Shields. Hey, Jack, not on the podcast. Got got married this past weekend, and all that good stuff. So all 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 the good vibes to him. But yeah, guys, go ahead and follow us on Crimson and Cream Machine.com. Like Steven said, join the Discord. I put it in all of the details of the podcast, whether you're on Spotify or Apple or whatever. It's in the de- it's in the it's in the details of the pod. Follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow Jack at J Larry Shields. You can follow me at KMRobbie and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUFDSB. Looking forward to a game this Saturday. Hopefully something that isn't as like gut-wrenching as this last Saturday. And uh, I'll check you guys later.